Hello and welcome to episode number 539 of the Handgun World Podcast. I am your host, Bob Main, a practical guy, and this is a practical firearms podcast. I am not ex-law enforcement or ex-military. I'm not even a fancy gunsmith or custom gun maker. Nothing like any of that. I'm just an everyday guy, and I share my Second Amendment journey with you and also a little bit about preparedness and survivalism in these modern day times. This show is sponsored by Concealment Solutions, makers of, I think, the best holsters that are available. And uh, if you want inside the waistband, outside the waistband, appendix carry, pocket holster, whatever you want for your uh, concealed carry handgun, check out concealmentsolutions.com. And you get a 10% discount because you listen to this show. All you have to do is use the coupon code HANDGUNWORLD. And if you forgot that or you can't remember that, just go to the show notes of this episode and I will put that in there to remind you. Well, so this week I have a couple things I want to talk about. Uh, I have another piece of listener feedback, this time an email that I'm going to share with you about a very good subject. And that's going to be a big part of the subject matter for this episode and I'm also going to talk a little bit about some preparedness skills because I am in South Texas and as all of you know if you've been paying any bit of attention to anything going on you have seen and heard about the disaster here in the great state of Texas and uh, I well other surrounding states and everything and so I'm going to be talking about that as well. Remember, if you like this show and it is something that you value, uh, please consider supporting this show. I only have one sponsor, Concealment Solutions, and you know what? It's not a real high dollar sponsor, uh, but it's a it's a nice little arrangement that I have with them. But it does not even begin to cover uh, the expenses and the things that I need to cover for this podcast to happen and to be possible. So if you could become a Patreon member of mine, I have a Patreon page. You can find that at handgunworld.com for as little as $3 a month. You can enjoy some of the Patreon benefits. The Shooters Club is a real big deal. Ben Branham and I, for I think about seven, maybe almost eight years, we have produced the Shooters Club exclusive video and podcast club uh, and you can become a member of that and watch over 85 training videos and over 20 audio podcasts at shootersclubmembers.com and for as little as eight dollars a month or save some money 75 dollars a year you can become a member shootersclubmembers.com that'll be in the show notes as well so let's get to a really cool email that was recently sent to me and uh, I'm gonna summarize it Jason in Wausau Wisconsin emailed this now Wausau Wisconsin I'm very familiar with most of you know Wisconsin is my home state and uh, I was I was raised there for the better part of my well for my entire childhood and early young adult years and I went to college at University of Wisconsin Stevens Point that's where I graduated so that's only a, a very short drive from Wausau, Wisconsin, where 
Jason is emailing me from. His question or his basic point is about magazines and about whether in a gunfight should you let your, your magazine drop to the ground or should you try to retain that magazine. That was, it was a long email and a very well thought out, very good email. Jason, thank you very much for sending this. This is a great topic. And it's something that I don't think I've talked about in a long time. And so one of the things he says in his email is he says, uh, here's the, the dilemma that he has. Unlike a revolver, a semi-automatic pistol is kind of useless without magazines. So if you let your mags drop to the ground during a gunfight and you find that you have to reload those magazines, you're probably going to basically be, be screwed. He says another unique thing about the times that we're in right now is maybe it would even be hard to find re replacement magazines for your concealed ha uh, handgun, assuming it's an automatic. And he went on to say that revolvers don't have that issue. Okay, I got a lot of things to, to say about this. As many of you know, Ben Branham and I, we teach a series of classes called Beyond Concealed Carry and pistol fighting dynamics. We've been teaching it for several years. Uh, ben Branham from the Modern Self-Protection Podcast. We're on kind of a little bit of a break, but uh, we may be picking it up again soon. So by the way, if you're interested in training with me or Ben Branham, it doesn't have to be both of us. It could be separate um, due to expenses, travel expenses. Kind of, They're kind of expensive and people aren't doing a whole lot of traveling right now anyway. Uh, either I'll come to your location or Ben will come to your location, one of us. But if you're interested, email me, handgunworld at gmail.com, handgunworld at gmail.com. In our classes, we teach defensive pistol. Now, this is a controversial subject about whether you should let your magazines drop to the ground or try to retain them. Uh, retaining them is often called a, a tactical uh, reload or whatever. We teach just let them drop. Let your magazines drop. Which I stress that it's good to have a concealed carry handgun that will easily drop your magazines. Now, here's why. I know it's controversial. Uh, there's going to be probably some people that disagree with me on this. I'm okay with that. Uh, I, I enjoy disagreement, folks. If you disagree, that's one of the reasons why I have a voicemail. Or even if you agree and you want to extend my point, uh, you can call 210-646-1727. Leave a voicemail. Let's talk about it. 210-646-1727. We teach you run out of ammo, drop your empty magazine, put a new magazine in there, and get back in the fight. It's as simple as that. Or if you have to clear a malfunction, which I've always said, by the way, is the most important reason to carry an extra magazine. Jason sends me this email and he's asking a specific question. How do I feel about dropping the magazines in a gunfight or retaining them? Well, what, he's, what his premise is what if I still need those magazines in the gunfight? I'm going to get to that. I'm going to get to that shortly. But malfunctions are much more likely, folks. Malfunctions are much more likely. And if you have a malfunction magazine, you don't want that magazine anyway, do you? You want to get a fresh magazine into that gun. You want to get rid of that malfunctioning magazine. 
and get back in the fight because maybe you shot two or three times and you got a jam. Uh, and even if it's not the magazine, you don't know. In the intense pressure of a gunfight, how are you going to know? You're not going to have the time to determine whether it's a bad magazine or not. Do you really think you're going to have that kind of a time? Uh, you're not, folks. I, now, I've never been in a gunfight, thank God, and I hope that I never will be in a gunfight. My training partner, Ben Branham, has been in a lot of gunfights, and a lot of other people that I've had a chance to train with and compete with have been in gunfights. And not one of them has ever mentioned that they're going to have the presence of mind during clearing a malfunction to try to figure out what caused the malfunction. You're just going to be focused on clearing that malfunction and getting a new magazine or more ammo back into the gun. So now, that's the most likely scenario. As preppers, we learn to prepare for the most likely scenario. What's the most likely thing that's going to happen to us? As modern-day survivalists, that's, that's what we think. It's how we think. So the most likely thing to happen in a gunfight is, is, is a malfunction not having to reload to put more ammo in your gun. However, let's get back to Jason's email because it's a very good one and it's a very good question. Let, in my opinion, let your magazine drop free and fall to the ground. The reason I say that is because if bullets are flying, people are trying to attack you, several people are trying to attack you, probably the last thing on your mind is going to be, oh, what do I do with this empty magazine? Right? I mean, would you agree? I mean, I assume Jason is not law enforcement or military. And based on other things he said in his email, I don't think that he is. And I think most of the people who listen to this show are not active duty law enforcement or military. Many of you are, but not all of you. And I'm not talking about a law enforcement engagement or a military exercise. I'm talking about civilian concealed carry. And when you're being attacked, when you're being overwhelmed with either gunfire, somebody coming at you with a knife, a bat, whatever it is, in my opinion, if you have to eject your magazine out of your semi-automatic pistol for some reason, let it fall. Don't worry about where you're going to put it. Now, I'm not talking about competition shooting. In competition shooting, specifically in IDPA competition shooting, for example, it is required that you do what's called a tactical reload. In other words, you retain your magazine for the very specific purpose that Jason says. What if you have to pick your magazine back up and get back into the gunfight? Now you're allowed to drop an empty magazine, but if your magazine has ammunition in it, then you've got to retain that. Some people call it a slide lock reload when your gun runs empty. Some people call it a uh, emergency reload, whatever. In competition, you're allowed to let those magazines drop to the ground. But if they have even one round in them, you're not. Because the theory is, well, what if you have to use that magazine because you need more ammo because for whatever reason, okay? But I'm going to go back to my original point. In a gunfight, the most important thing 
is to get back into that fight as soon as you can. Now, I'll tell you what I, what I would probably do. Because I know me. I, I, I know what I would probably do. In the heat of the moment, in the high stress, in the freaked out state that you're going to be in, that I'm going to be in, even if there's ammo in the magazine, I'm still probably going to let it drop free, hit the ground, get my spare magazine out, and as quickly as I absolutely can, get that magazine back in the gun and keep shooting and stay in the fight. People call that a speed reload. Some people call that. Some call it emergency reload, whatever. Whatever name you want to give to it. I don't care about names of what the reload is. I care about tactics. Now, some of you are probably going to disagree, but, you know, I'll tell you, I, I have talked to people, um, not just Ben, but other people, who have actually been in shooting encounters. And probably 90% of them agree, just let your magazine fall. Because whatever you do to take your attention off of the people trying to attack you, that's a bad thing. Don't take your attention off of what's going on in the whole situation. And it's more than just a gunfight, but it's the people around you, maybe the innocent people that are around you. If you take your, your attention off of what's going on, a fight's going to be uh, most likely a very fluid situation. And when I say fluid situation, what I mean by that is people are going to be moving. People, people are going to be moving around back and forth, side to side, at each other, away from each other. Very unlikely are people going to be standing still shooting at each other. And there might be other things going on. There might be innocent people. There might be kids around. There could be, you know, people in buildings near you or what ha whatever happens. Uh, and you, you don't want to take your attention off of those uh, people either. Trying to hold on to a magazine that you just pulled out of your pistol or put it in your pocket or stick it under your arm or do something with it or whatever. That just takes, that takes more time. Time you don't have in a fight, in any kind of fight, not just a gunfight, but any kind of fight, time is your enemy. Okay, time is your enemy. You have to beat time as much as you can. You with me on that? You got to beat time. If it's a rare situation where you can get behind cover and you absolutely know that nothing's going to ha happen to you while you're behind cover and you can sit there and wait and wait and wait for the perfect opportunity, that's different. But again, that's, that's not likely. Again, we prepare for what is most likely to happen. So when I train people, I train them to drop that magazine, even if that magazine has ammunition in it. And, ooh, I'm probably going to get some pushback on that comment. I am probably going to get some people that are take me to task on that. That's fine. Go ahead, take me to task. Email me or voicemail me or uh, get a hold of me and uh, tell me you want to interview on my show and you want to set me straight. That's okay. Uh, let's have a discussion about that because I am an open-minded guy as well. So this also underscores the need to carry an extra magazine. Uh, it's very important. I talked about that most recently in some of my other episodes. Carrying an extra magazine is important, and it's so easy to do. Uh, in the last episode, I talked about magazine carriers, magazine pouches, holders, carrying one or carrying two. I normally don't carry two extra magazines. That's a little much 
for me to keep concealed and things like that. I think one extra magazine is fine. And again, think about the kinds of semi-automatics that we carry. I'm going to get to revolvers in a minute. So for all you revolver carriers out there, hang on, I'm, I'm coming to you. But look at the semi-automatics that are available today. I mean, let's start with a Smith & Wesson shield, for example. That's a nine-round pistol if you use the eight-round magazine. Um, a SIG P365 is an, it's an 11-round pistol out of the box, and you can get 12-round magazines and even 15-round magazines for that. A Glock 43X uh, is, a, is an 11-round pistol out of the box, and you can get more capacity magazines for that gun. And the list goes on and on. So there are a lot of very good concealed carry guns that are very small, and they're easy to carry, and they hold a significant amount of ammunition. The chances are you're probably going to be able to win the fight with that ammo. And if you can't win the fight with that ammo, you're probably not going to win the fight having to perform a reload and take that time and take your attention off of the attacker. Think about that. It might be even less likely that you're going to win the fight if you have to reload to get more ammunition in the gun. Not that you shouldn't carry a extra magazine for that purpose but just think about what I'm saying for a second if the fight has gone that bad that the 9 or 10 or 11 or 13 rounds that you started with in your pistol if that's not good enough the fight has become that serious um, unless you can get to a really good point of cover the time it takes you to reload might be just way too much I mean People have come through our classes, and sometimes it takes them two or three seconds to perform a good reload. Now, the more they train with, with us, the better they get, and they are able to improve on that. But if, if you haven't trained a lot to reload your pistol, I think you'd be quite surprised how long it takes you. You should put that on a timer. You should time that sometime. How long does it take for you to reload your pistol um, get a shot timer go out to the range have somebody run the timer and uh, test it out two or three seconds is an eternity in any kind of a fight so keep that stuff in mind Jason very very good email now revolvers okay revolvers don't have the magazine problem I get that. Most revolver carriers, though, they do carry extra am ammunition. Uh, a lot of times they have um, speed strips or something like that, or they have speed loaders or moon clips if it's that kind of a revolver. And so they do have fast and efficient ways to reload a revolver. Most of the time, somebody's probably not going to be able to reload a revolver as quickly as they can reload a semi-automatic. And yes, I know there are some people who can. And I've, I've been in competition with matches. Competition matches with people shooting revolvers that kicked my butt. And I was shooting a, a semi-automatic handgun. Okay? So people can reload revolvers quickly. But it takes a tremendous amount 
of practice. So although you don't have the magazine problem with a revolver, you have a capacity problem with a revolver. Uh, and the five or the six or the seven rounds in the revolver, it might be all that you get. So once again, I go back to my point. Win with the handgun that you have. Win with the ammunition that you already have in the gun. Because you might not get any more. And if the gun you carry is too low of capacity for your comfort, then carry a higher capacity gun that gives you more comfort. Now, revolvers have their place. And um, I would like to get a revolver soon uh, for various reasons. Number one reason I, I want to get a revolver soon is so I can learn how to become better shooting a revolver. Number two is... Uh, let's hope that the gun control that's being proposed, let's hope that it's not successful. Let's hope we all do our part in fighting against that. But if it is successful over the long term, revolvers might be a smart choice for people to own. So if you can afford it, if it's feasible for you, get a good revolver. And uh, Jason, again... Uh, Fellow Wisconsinite, Cheesehead from uh, Wausau, Wisconsin. Thanks for sending me this email. This was a good one. And, uh, you know, that's I, I like to get these. I like to get these. These are, these are really good, well-thought-out uh, emails. Or sometimes I get them in the form of voicemails. And they really contribute to the subject matter. And uh, so I like to cover them. Okay, time to move on. Again, if you got comments, 210-646-1727. Record an audio file, send it to me, send me an email, whatever you want to do. I would love to hear them. Don't, don't think that you can't disagree with me or you can't add to uh, my um, the, the subject matter that I cover here because I'm a very much open-minded guy. If you've been listening to me long enough, yeah, you know that to be true, and uh, I've been known to change my mind on things if I am persuaded to do so by a very good argument. So moving on to preparedness. Um, I probably don't have to go into detail what kind of a disaster that the state of Texas has been through in the last um, seven to eight days. The, the date that I'm recording this podcast is uh, Sunday, February 21st. And so this whole week has uh, been a nightmare. A blizzard has basically hammered Texas into uh, submission. And so I want to talk about some preparedness because this disaster brought to light some things that um, most people know and prepare for, but I think it, it's, it's worth repeating. First of all, you know... Most common sense preppers and most people who actually, you know, are on a budget and are common sense people and they're everyday kind of people, you know, most people are, are what we call simple preparedness types of people. They understand that danger exists. They understand that disasters can happen. And what most of us are taught and the overwhelming philosophy in the modern prepper world is that you prepare 
for what is most likely to happen. In other words, wherever you live, think about what is most likely. Is it a hurricane? Is it a volcanic eruption? Is it a typhoon? Is it flooding? Is it a political unrest situation? What is it? Are you in the middle of a lot of tornado activity that happens a lot? Uh, what, what is it? Uh, is it blizzard-like conditions where you could get four to five, six feet of snow in a, in a short period of time? Is it extreme cold? What is it? Um, is it problems with, uh, with water? Are you in an area that where power goes out a lot? Okay, in the state of Texas, and especially where I am, in South Texas, San Antonio, but everywhere in the state of Texas, a blizzard is not at the top of our list of things that are likely to happen. Are you with me? We're just not prepared for that. I mean, we're not prepared for that because we normally don't need to. People that have lived here in San Antonio, where I live, that have been here all their life, they're in their 60s, say that they've never seen anything like this before. They've been here all their life. And they've never seen a blizzard condition and cold like we have, or like we had here this past week. So most people around here don't prepare for it because it just doesn't happen except when it does but I'm going to get to that I'm going to get to what do you do you know because it may happen even though it's highly unlikely to happen you know here we don't have road clearing equipment we don't have snow plows we don't have trucks that can plow the snow off of all the streets we don't have salt trucks that go out on the streets and and drop salt to melt all the ice. We don't have that. A lot of people got frozen water pipes here because our our pipes to that that bring water to our house are not always uh, buried deep enough, and they're not always the type of systems that can withstand the cold. If you live in a cold climate like I did when I grew up in Wisconsin, we normally didn't have water pipes freezing. We normally didn't. Sometimes in the barn we did. But it wasn't really the pipes that froze. It was whatever was dispensing the water. It would freeze inside of there. And so all we had to do is just defrost that, that device and it would start dispensing water. You know, I mean, when, when we had snow up in Wisconsin, the trucks were out. They were clearing the snow. If it came overnight, sometimes early in the morning, 5 a.m., they're out there clearing the snow. They're dropping salt. Okay, so shortly after a blizzard, uh, once the blizzard has subsided, people who live in colder climates in the northern part of the U.S. or anywhere in the world where they have a lot of these types of conditions, they're prepared for it. They have the equipment for it. We don't have that here in Texas. Can you imagine if it was proposed that we spend hundreds of millions of dollars for snow clearing equipment in the state of Texas? I mean, you know, most people would think that that's a colossal waste of money to have snow clearing equipment in Texas that we're spending millions and millions of dollars because it just hardly ever happens. There's other disasters 
that happen here that are far more far more frequent. In South Texas, hurricanes are a lot more frequent than than blizzards that drop a ton of snow and ice and freeze us out. That's one example. People in Texas are really not overly concerned with how to heat their homes. They're overly concerned with how to cool their homes because we get such intense heat. So a lot of people I have been seeing online have been making fun of us here in Texas. And I don't appreciate that. I don't appreciate that one bit. Uh, And most of the people who are making fun of Texans going through this disaster, most of them are those who live up north where, as a general rule, you prepare for these kinds of, of conditions because you live with them every year. And I know, don't forget, I, for 23 years, I grew up and lived in northeast Wisconsin. So, folks, uh, don't make fun of us here in Texas that have had to go through this. Now, let me talk about some basic preparations that will get you through any kind of disaster, no matter what it is. So many people around here were caught without food and without extra water even extra drinking water. They, they were caught without it. Why? Why were they caught without at least a couple weeks, maybe three weeks worth of food in the house? Why were they caught without extra drinking water stored up? Why? That shouldn't happen. Shouldn't happen, folks. Uh, a lot of people were caught with no way to provide any kind of alternative cooking method. Uh, if, if they can't cook with their electric stove, they can't cook. Why? Why are you caught in that position? I have a gas grill, propane gas grill. It came in very handy. When our power went out, we cooked on the gas grill. There's a lot of other alternative cooking methods. Charcoal grills, propane stoves, all kinds of things that you can use as an alternative cooking method. You should also have a lot of foods that don't need to be cooked. They don't need to be baked or fried or grilled or anything. Um, You should be able to eat them without having to do much preparation. Okay, And, and the next time that you can buy cases of bottled water, why not buy four or five cases of bottled water and put those in your garage? If you live in a freezing climate right now, don't put them in your garage because then they'll freeze. But there should be another place where you can store them. Why were people uh, in the dark in their houses when the power went out? Why didn't they have ways to at least provide some kind of light and ambient light in their home? These are all basic preps that if you have them, They'll help make any disaster a lot easier. So as long as you do the basics, no matter what it is, if it's a blizzard in Texas or if it's some other kind of strange, weird event, you're most likely going to be able to get through it easier. All right? That's, that's the whole premise here. If you, I, you know, the reason I cover this stuff is some of you might say, well, Bob, I'm not a survivalist. Well, I used to do a podcast uh, called Today's Survival Show. It ran for about between six and seven years. I used to cover a lot of this, but I also feel that if you carry a gun 
you're a prepper. You're a survivalist because you believe in defending yourself. You, be, you believe in preparing for something that's unlikely to happen. Did you know that? How many of you would agree with me on that? That if you carry a gun, you're preparing for something that's not likely to happen. Folks, the chances of you actually being in a gunfight are very slim. But yet, if you're listening to this show, you're probably listening because you either own a gun or you carry a gun or you do both. Guess what? You're a prepper. You're a survivalist. Because you're taking a step towards being able to defend yourself if the unlikely happens and that you're attacked and your life is in danger or in danger of grave bodily harm. At least that's the law as it is in Texas. Know the laws in your state. So just do the basics. Do the basics. Have extra water. Have extra food. Have extra lighting for your house. Uh, I was, you know, it kind of sucks here in my house we don't have a fireplace. Uh, Because if you have a fireplace, have some wood, especially during the winter months, during the intense winter months. Even if you live down south like I do, have some wood for your fireplace. Have an extra uh, amount of propane gas for your gas grill or for your propane stove. Um, if you live where you have, uh, uh, where your whole house is on natural gas, uh, make sure that you got an extra supply of that. Okay, so these are just basic things that we can all do. Here's another issue that we experienced here in Texas. It was difficult to get gasoline for our automobiles because the gas pumps are electric. And so when our power went out, the gas pumps couldn't pump any gas because they're on electricity. So we couldn't find any gas. So do you have extra gas? Even if you got a five gallon uh, uh, extra um, tank of gas, at the very least, keep your vehicles filled with gas as often as possible. I, I never let my vehicle get below a third of a tank. And I'm filling it up when it gets below a third of a tank. And I'll tell you what, a lot of people here in Texas had to go out to their vehicle to get warm. Well, what if your vehicle doesn't have much gas and you want to sit in there for a few hours and stay warm? Well, guess what? You don't have gas in your vehicle because you didn't fill it up because you let it run down to E and the light was coming on warning you. Well, you were out of luck. And trust me, there are a lot of people who do that. They don't fill up their automobiles. They don't fill their car with gas until... It's beeping at him or blinking at him on empty saying, hey, knucklehead, you're going to run out of gas any minute now. Why do you let your cars get down that low? I mean, your car is also a power source. If you got a full tank of gas in your car and you need to charge a cell phone and you got no power in your house, you can run out to your vehicle. You can charge a cell phone. You can charge a lot of things off of a vehicle. You'd be surprised. Okay, you can charge a laptop computer off of a vehicle. So think about that. Our Wi-Fi was down too. We had no internet. Okay? Because my uh, my Wi-Fi, my, my router had no power. So, you know, that's something to consider as well. Do you have a backup backup power supply for your Wi-Fi, for your router, for your internet router? Think about all that stuff. This is all basic stuff. These are not elaborate preparations. 
but it's just all basic stuff. But all this will help you get through a disaster in a little bit easier fashion, and that's the goal. So, I think that covers the main two points that I wanted to cover in, uh, in this podcast. Uh, I wanted to talk about Jason's great email, and I wanted to talk about the recent disasters and what we can all do to make it a little bit easier and a little bit you know, easier to deal with how we can live life on our own terms. And and what I always like to say is do what you can with what you have wherever you are. I'm copying Teddy Roosevelt. Do what you can with what you have wherever you are. I hope that what you have is at least the basics and you do what you can with them wherever you are and disasters are going to be a little bit easier to deal with. Any comments? I'd love to hear them. Um, I'd like, you know, you know how to get a hold of me. I'm also on Facebook. Yeah, I'm not on Facebook as much as I want to be. And I'm upset with Facebook just like all of you are. But I'm still on there. And yeah, I'm still on Twitter even though I don't use Twitter much. I am on MeWe and I am on Parler. So on MeWe and Parler, you can find me at Handgun World. As those two get more popular, I probably will make the slow transition and get off of the um, uh, censorship fanatics at Facebook and Twitter. But right now, I can still reach a lot of people on Facebook and Twitter. By the way, I've never been in Facebook jail. Never have. Um, I'd like to get put in Facebook jail. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, Okay, watch. As soon as this podcast airs, somebody's going to put me in Facebook jail because... I said this, and somebody at Facebook might be listening to this, although probably not. I bet there's not a lot of people who work for Facebook that uh, shoot and carry guns. Although, I don't know. I could be wrong. You know? Sure enough. One of these... Here, pretty soon now, I'm going to get an email from somebody saying, Hey, I work for Facebook, Bob, and and guess what? Uh, I do carry a gun, and I'm putting you in jail. Whatever. Anyway, um, I'll still be on those for a while, and uh, you can reach me there. So, ladies and gentlemen, get prepared and uh, do what you can with what you have, wherever you are. I'm Bob Main. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Handgun World Podcast. Remember, folks, shoot straight, shoot safe, read your Bible every day because that's the most important thing. And I'll talk to you next time. Goodbye.